Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Rabbi Michael Siegel of On Emmett Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Eig about this week's Torah portion of Titzavah. What if we took prophets seriously in our day? Would our world be any different today? Let's say that tomorrow you're walking down the street uh, with your daughter, walking her to school, or one of your daughters walking her to school. And along the way, there's a man standing on the corner preaching a message saying that the world is going to come to an end unless you do X, Y, or Z, and that he or she is speaking the word of God, and God is angry, and God is going to take vengeance on the people. Would you, A, stop and listen? B, would you advise your daughter to look away? Or C, would you cross the street? <laughs> what about repent and do whatever he says? Right. Okay. Or just, well, stop and listen is really what why I was sort of. Stop and listen encompasses that. Right. I know you well enough to know that you're a tough audience. So the fact yeah. that you're going to well, stop and listen, that was already a big thing. Right. You know, there's always that New Yorker cartoon with the guy carrying the sign, the end is near. And then there's a, then the, the, the witty response is always the, uh, the zinger. And, um, you know, that, that just assumes that we all just dismiss the guy with the end is near sign as a, as a kook. Um, I guess the question is what happens when, when one of them turns out not to be the kook and one of them really is the, uh, the prophet, right? How do you know, uh, what's gonna, what's it gonna take to overcome that cynicism? Right. It's sort of like when, you know, the Lenny Bruce routine where uh, Jesus shows up at the cathedral in uh, New York City and they and there's a meeting going on and saying, look, look, let's keep him waiting for a little while till we figure out what to do. What would happen if the prophet was actually taken seriously? That's a that's an interesting question about our society. It's a, in society in general. I don't think this is a new problem. But what if what if the role of the prophet, the profession of the prophet, was actually part of the larger society. In other words, it was something that we actually, that society in general took seriously. So if you were walking down the street with one of your children and you saw a prophet, you wouldn't say, oh, that's a kook. You might say, this is somebody we ought to listen to and at least consider the message. Yeah, it's a really interesting question. And, you know, even in history, when we've seen people who bear all the markings of a prophet, someone who has established themselves as a legitimate religious leader, um, someone with a real vision, there's still division, there's still controversy. You know, there are people who will say, well, that's the that's a false prophet. Don't listen to that one. Right. Because we can't all ever seem to agree, even on the cases that seem pretty evident that, that this is someone worth listening to. So it's a tough job being a prophet, I guess. I think it's got to be the hardest of jobs. And what's interesting is that when we read our Torah reading this week, Titzaveh, even though the Torah reading is really focused in minute detail, largely on the clothing of the priest, whether it's the um, breastplate or the crown that they wore on the, their head, the atara, or the materials that they wore, the reality is, is that Aaron, the brother of Moses, is being set aside. He's being elevated to this position of high priest. Moses is the prophet. We meet Moses long before we meet Aaron. 
Moses is the one who speaks to God, and God speaks through Moses. Moses is the one who God knew face to face. Moses is the intercessor for the people of Israel. So Moses not only is the message bearer for God and also feels God's anger. And when God is affronted, the prophet feels that. But he's also aware of the feeling of the people, their fear. And so he lives in this nexus between the frustration of God with the people and the people's fears and humanity. And it's a very interesting role, but they're very different, the priest and the prophet. Yeah, and it does seem like it's it's helpful to have both, right? Because they balance each other, they complement each other. You've got one person there who's there to lead the spiritual and the religious order and remind us of the uh, of the duties, and then another who's this visionary uh, who can, you know, ask you to think bigger and think differently, right? That's um, pretty rare, I guess, to see that both roles in the same person, but maybe it does happen. I think what's interesting also is that the role of the prophet is built into the societal framework, right? So you have the iconoclast or the one who may bear a different message than the priest. The priests aren't really bearing a message. They're just saying, this is the ritual. This is how you appease God. This is the daily routine. But the priests are never going to take you out of that. They're never going to challenge what's going on. And the prophet often is that person. What's interesting also is that when you read the prophets, what you find out is there are court prophets. There are prophets who are sort of like professional prophets who are like uh, prophetic yes men. Whatever the king wants, this is what God wants, right? Whereas the other prophet, people like Isaiah or Jeremiah, the king locks Jeremiah up in jail. King Ahab tries to kill Elijah because his message is so dangerous for his kingdom. And so here you have the, 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 the prophet who is part of the larger society kind of being a goad. And so you have this kind of give and take, the yin and yang of how a society functions, but that God's voice doesn't just come through the establishment. God's voice can also be heard through the people. And I think that's a really interesting idea, like especially in a world where so many are being silenced and not wanting to rock the boat, lest they be labeled in some negative way that on social media may cost them their job or at least cost them their social currency. And so it's an interesting issue of, are we being silenced? Can we have that kind of uh, conversation in our society? Is anybody willing to play the role of the prophet and then you know, also subject themselves to the negative aspects of that? Well, yeah, one of the interesting things about the about the prophet's role is that it almost inevitably invites cynicism, right? What's the one of the first words you think of when you hear the word prophet is false, false prophet, because anybody who emerges as a prophet is almost inevitably is going to be accused of being a false prophet, because who gets to decide, you know, who's really speaking for God, who gets to decide who really has that connection, even just assuming that someone in today's cynical world could emerge as a prophet is it requires a great leap of faith. And I just wonder what it takes to prove to your fellow people that, that you really are a prophet. Is it something you have to prove over time? There are rules in the Torah. The only way to really know if a prophet is false is either that they encourage the people to abandon God through idolatry, 
And the other way is if what the prophet says come true, right? Mm -hmm. So, okay, you just finished a book on Dr. Martin Luther King. Right. You just turned your manuscript in. Rabbi Heschel called King a prophet. And Heschel is understanding that King is doing exactly what a biblical prophet would do. He stands against the establishment, right? And there are people who represent the establishment, or at least believe they represent the establishment, like J. Edgar Hoover, who are going to try and take the prophet down, try and destroy them in really insidious ways. But putting that aside, the threat that he represented, would you say, as someone who knows about as much about Martin Luther King Jr. as anybody, would you say he was a prophet? Uh, who am I to argue with Rabbi Heschel? Uh, of course, I'd say he was a prophet. And what's interesting is that he's also a priest, right? He's leading church services every Sunday at, at Ebenezer in Atlanta and all over the world as he travels. So he's he's fulfilling both roles. He's leading our services. He's leading our prayers to God on Sunday. And then he's going out the other six days of the week and performing the role of the prophet and, and saying that uh, we need to listen because we are erring in our ways and we need to we need to reform. Of course, as you pointed out, J. Edgar Hoover would strongly disagree. He would say this is a false prophet who's who's leading us down the path toward communism and, and sin. The iconoclast who's going to destroy everything and break everything down. Which is which is true. He did want to destroy everything. He wanted to destroy the structure of white supremacy. That conversation is going on today in the society. The whole George Floyd and all of the Black Lives Matter issues were in some ways very much a part of Dr. King's message, were they not? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you listen to his most famous speech, I Have a Dream, it's it's not about holding hands and honoring the content of our character. It's a call for revolution. He's saying we need reparations. We need police reform. You know, he, he mentions police brutality in that speech. He says that we are not living up to the Constitution and we need to basically rethink it. That is a, a radical call for action. And yet people love that speech. Because you know, they only quote the one part of it. <laughs> they, they only listen to the one part of it. The one part of it is redemptive. You know, that black and white children will be walking together and, and they won't be judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. The fact that I can, that I'm quoting it directly, I think most Americans can quote aspects of that speech because it touches our soul as to who we want to be, but it's also who we actually want to think we are right now. And I think that that's exactly what the prophet does. The prophet doesn't simply give a message of gloom and doom. The Israelite prophet is also the one who is talking about a God who will forgive you, a God who stands with you. But here's the difference, and this is an interesting distinction that I want to make with you. The Israelite prophet doesn't represent themselves. The Israelite prophet represents God. It's God who's displeased. It's not the prophet judging them. It's that they are sinning against God. That's an interesting issue as opposed to being a political pundit, right? I'm liberal, you know, I'm conservative. And so I'm writing from a particular point of view. What the prophet is doing, and this is really the iconoclastic part of this, is the prophet saying, this isn't my opinion, this is God's opinion, and you are failing the ethical litmus test. And I don't care what you think, I don't care how inconvenient these truths are, but they're God's truths, and you need to take them seriously, because if you don't, you're going to bring destruction upon yourself, which will be partially the hand of God at work. 
that's a really interesting difference. And I think King was sort of dancing with that idea, right? That he was speaking God's message at the same time of being a social activist. Yeah, there's no question. And I'm not sure he would have had the same power to reach across audiences, to, to get white people in particular to to think again, to, to question their own biases and their own racism if he had not been a priest, if he had not had the power of the Old Testament, the New Testament. When he spoke in that March on Washington and he said, let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a mighty stream, he's quoting the Hebrew prophets. He's quoting Amos, right? So he is using the, the power of established religion to make us question our our own behavior. And, and if he didn't have that power, if he didn't have at least the sense of a prophet, whether you believe he was a prophet or not, if he didn't sound like a prophet, would he have been able to reach as many people and, and make them open their minds? I really doubt it. Well, I would even take it one step further. I would say that if he wasn't speaking with the religious voice that he was speaking with, I'm not sure that the black community would have responded, taken the risks, gone to Washington the way that they did. I think that in 1963, for people to do the kinds of things that they were doing, I think that they were motivated religiously as well. And that the zeal that they showed, the willingness to literally put their physical safety on the line was partially because it was a prophetic message and it was coming in, if you will, from God. That's right. And let's be clear, this is not some strategy on King's part. He truly believed. He believed that God called on him to do this. And without that inner strength, he would not have been able to go forward the way he did. So in the end of the day, the relationship between Moses and Aaron, prophet and priest, is very much alive and well today. I think that societies need to make a place for the iconoclasts and also be willing to call out those people who are invested in the established rules because rocking the boat would affect them in some way and allow them to turn a blind eye towards those in need. That's the tension. How do you create a society that's going to be able to sustain itself, but at the same time be self-correcting? That's the relationship that we're talking about. I guess it's the prophets who do that best, really, um, because they force us to really think about assumptions that we've been making all along. I mean, King called out the priests, called out uh, in, in his letter from Birmingham jail. He did the same thing. He said that the priests were failing. So uh, without those prophets, I'm not sure anybody challenges them in that way. Let's hope that the uh, voice of the prophets are still being heard today. And that we can open our minds to hear them. All right. So next time you walk your daughter to school, keep an eye out for the prophets on the street corners, okay? I definitely will. I promise. Thank you, Jonathan. <laughs>